Okay, I'm recording now. Okay, usually the hosts talk first. That's okay. No worries. Well, right. you can't, you're not going to cut this out? I'm sorry. No, usually just the hosts talk first because it's their show. No worries. Why don't, you know what? Why don't, <laughs> let's, let's keep recording. Why don't we just pretend that nobody knows exactly who the guest is yet? Mason, you want to just record like it's going to be a normal episode? Oh, I got a beach ball. Fuck Wait, off. Stop. Before we, I, I just, yes. Uh, welcome to what's on the list, everybody, with, with Noah. Hold on. Mason. Hold on. We're going to start again. Don't <laughs> stop. Don't stop recording. Don't stop or we'll die. Just keep recording. Let's okay. pretend like nobody knows there, there's a guest yet because for some reason he thought it was okay to talk before we introduced him. All right. That's cool with me, man. That's cool with me. All right. Ready? Ready. Yes. Ba, 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 la, 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 la. <laughs> It's ba, ba. on the list. It's I don't know. on the list. On the list. Do what I stop the fuck? The, stop. The recording? Just don't talk until we ask you to say your name. All right, dude? Yeah, you got it, man. One of us will introduce the guest when it's time. And I would really encourage anybody listening to this episode to not look at the episode description so they don't know who our guest is right now. That's I don't even think I know important. who our guest is. I know who he is, but I feel like he's betraying my trust <laughs> in who I know him as as a person. But that's Just okay. Just having fun. Yeah, that's... Well, you're fucking playing Animal Crossing. I can see you play Animal Crossing while we're trying to record the episode. So put it away. Great, put it away. Just let me be your friend and don't worry about Animal Crossing, dude. Fuck. Okay, I, I love you. I'm sorry. It's like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, this is on the list. This is a podcast about underrated media, movies, and music. Our guest today is Rocky Parrito. Thank you, Rocky, for being with us. <laughs> okay. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me back. You know, I'm, I love the show. Rocky, I'm very happy that you're back. And for the occasion, I wrote a poem for you. Oh, my God. Okay. Haven't even heard okay, this it one goes like myself. This. <clears throat> Nobody guests like this rock guests. You rock, rock. This rock just guests on a podcast and is you show us how to just play animal crossing here and that's what we need and that's my poem for rocky it's i think we're gonna save this podcast did you yeah, just write that did you just write that mason i, I did oh I did. no i did just write that yes Very i did nice. Very right. cool. yes I, I did just write the spot <laughs> this this that poem rocky welcome back hey Very thanks for having me back. i'm so glad to be back how are you doing during the uh the quarantine times are you doing okay Oh, brother, it's been quite a journey, but it's been, like, fine, other than, like, the general fear uh, going on sure. in everyone's hearts and minds. Um, I got to spend it with my, my wonderful girlfriend, and we played board games and uh, a lot of, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Mario Party. So that Oh, was nice. Yeah. And you guys are still together even after Mario Party? You guys We're are still, still together? shocking. After all the games of Catan and Blockus and Mario Party, we are inexplicably still together. She's still inexplicably... Wow enjoys me um but yeah it was a congrats it's been, it's been okay also animal crossing is you know uh saving everyone's life i think right now so that's pretty fun but clearly uh, except been, the life of this podcast yeah, because you're choosing to play that instead of hanging out with your friends it's okay, okay. Listen, no it was a bit it was a bit um yeah, i'm so, still doing the bit all right i'm okay, still doing it all right all right all right all right all right all right uh but also i've been watching a lot of uh movies lately so that's uh, that's been good yeah, you were just telling us that you just watched uh, Favorite of the Podcast Local Hero recently with your girlfriend's family. Ah, yes. yeah. Well, it, you know, I would say that for two of the three people in the room, uh, the movie was on in the background. And then for this boy <laughs> over here, I was enjoying it and loving it. Oh, so the girlfriend didn't take to the movie either? 
Uh, I th- the, uh, my girlfriend's dad liked it a little more than she did. She was working, so I think it might have just oh. been like complete background noise to her. But um, I, I think me and uh, her father enjoyed it. Like on an average together, uh, I would say it was a mixed to positive review. I was on the positive side. Um, Yay. I wouldn't mind awesome. watching it again with uh, just myself and uh, maybe a Xanax. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you know what's interesting is that one of the tracks on the album we're discussing today could easily fit in to the world of local hero and that is the blarney stone brings oh it okay it's the blarney listen, listen, listen. this is very important for me i have a lot i am of good irish and german stock and i take my irish heritage very seriously thank you the blarney stone is irish local hero takes place in scotland right. scotland is okay. part of the united kingdom uh you should have seen know, the they... shrug noah made there a second ago <laughs> listener <laughs> if you could see this shrug <laughs> Just say, Listeners, just if say, you could see this very shrug, important that you would absolutely get... start a Patreon for us. That's what you would do. You would start a fucking Patreon for it's on the list so we wouldn't have to worry about it and just take yes. one less thing off our plate. But one of the uh, we're talking about an album and a movie here today, folks. Uh, Rocky was nice enough to uh, pick both for us, unlike our last guest, who relied on a list <laughs> and picked maybe one of the worst movies we've ever talked about <laughs> on this podcast. Uh, you can go ahead and listen to that episode. I don't really need to get into it, other than the fact that, whoo, not a good one. But <laughs> Are you still mad about it? No, the- why would you ever say that? Uh, we're talking about The Mollusk by, by Ween today, folks. Rocky, why... So let, let, for a little bit, a little another peek. Uh, my favorite, my favorite bit on the show is let's take a peek behind the production curtain. Screech! <laughs> the production curtain. Rocky, when he first came on the show, was very nervous about which album he was going to pick, and ultimately yes. landed on. Um, ultimately landed on the Dan Deacon album. Right. Then when he came back the next time. He actually was going to pick a Ween album, but a different Ween album. It was going to be, was it Quebec by Ween? It's Quebec by Ween, yes. Mm-hmm. And so what made you, and originally we were going to do Quebec by Ween on this episode. Mm-hmm. So what made you land on the Mollusk after all these years? I love Ween in general, um, obviously. And Quebec is a really spastic and scary and funny album, which I guess you can describe most Ween albums as. But um, I was kind of realizing that maybe we could use this as an opportunity to make a ween primer for a lot of people who sure. might not be oh, familiar wow. with the, the group and their art and all that kind of stuff. And I figured why not pick a piece of art that is kind of monumental to culture in a way because it did inspire the creation by Steven Hillenburg of SpongeBob SquarePants. Um, Steven, Steven Hillenburg uh, listened to this album when he was a marine biologist down here in Southern California. Um, he's a Ween fan, and he used a lot. He used it as inspiration to craft a Bugs Bunny esque cartoon, Under the Sea, and uh, I think that makes it a very special piece of art uh, uh, worth discussing. And it is also maybe the most consistent and popular Ween album. Some people say Chocolate and Cheese, but that one's even weirder and more esoteric. This is much more like. I don't know. I feel like it's the perfect way to get someone into Ween. It's a good introduction for a lot of folks. It has a lot of the different flavors that they provide, which is funny, scary, sad, exciting, thrilling, all that stuff. It's just all over the place, all very trippy, yeah. all very strange. And uh, it's a cool album. Mason, what was your uh, dig into Ween? Had you heard of Ween? Had you listened to any Ween before this? I had. So one of my good buddies, I won't 
shout him out on Mike because I don't even know if he listens to this freaking uh, this freaking podcast. So who knows how good of a friend he really is? I'm just kidding. I love him dearly. Um, he has uh he was a big ween head, loved ween. Uh, named his hedgehog after Ween. Aww. Of course, he little, fucking named his hedgehog, hedgehog after Ween. I was not. Yeah, I can't say. I think, you know, I think like most people, I'm most familiar with the Ween song "Ocean Man." Take me by the hand, of course. Uh, Which is what this song, album has it. Yeah, in SpongeBob SquarePants the movie. Yeah. Yes, that was the credit song in SpongeBob SquarePants the movie. Um, I feel like I've heard a handful of songs here and there, and definitely my friendship with this guy. Uh, he was a big Ween fan for as long as I've known him, more or less, I think, or as long as we've been really good friends. And so when I was in, like, high school, I was trying to get into him just so we could have, like, something else to talk about, and I just never could, and I can't, for the life of me, figure out, like, where my end was with Ween. Sure. Um, other than that, like, I just kind of know them by reputation because of the SpongeBob connection, because they did do a lot of music for spongebob so yes. like didn't they do the loop-de-loop and pull now your shoes are looking cool song yeah they were com- them? they were commissioned to make that song after the show basically came into existence and uh, they wrote apparently re- like wrote and recorded that in an, in an afternoon and were told to not change anything which is pretty, <laughs> pretty charming i think yeah charming. how amazing is it when you actually it's literally like a dream scenario you're commissioned to do art for somebody not only somebody but like arguably the greatest you know kids oh, yeah. animated show of all time oh yeah and then you do one like cut at it and they're like yep it's perfect don't change the thing what a fucking dream scenario absolutely it's it's stuff like that that gets me really excited about um weird esoteric art when things just kind of line up like that and um also as we grow older as millennials we all kind of really start to appreciate what spongebob was and is and you know the different kind of influences that came into it so I'm just, uh, yeah, that's another, it's just a big reason why I lo- wanted to pick this album and talk about it because, yeah, like, you know, that, that song is great. Speak for yourself. I am a uh, millennial Generation Z cusp, so <laughs> <laughs> blowing my fucking cloud at you guys over the interwebs because uh, I'm going to, I don't give a fuck about coronavirus. I'll, I'll go to the skate park and skin my knee and get fucking a blood infection. I have to go to the emergency room and then get corona that way, even though I didn't get it the normal way. Thank you. So, thank you. Thank yeah, you. I appreciate your perspective. No, do you have a, uh, do you have a, a ween connection? Do you have a, a tumbleween connection? As oh, shit. Oh, okay. All right. Ooh. Yeah, I actually do have a tumbleween connection, believe it or not. One of my buddies... Uh, who not only did I go to high school with, he is one of the only people from my high school to go to Chapman as well. And mm. he was a huge, or still is, I guess, a huge Ween fan. He actually saw them at Red Rocks, wow. um, which is no an way. amazing thing. It's not only to just be able to go to Red Rocks, that's just an incredible venue with all the literally Red Rocks in the background yeah. and you know encompassing you, but he's a big it's ween. like a guitar hero level. It 100% is a guy that's like a guitar hero level when you, you know, pick a hot babe to strum. I <laughs> uh, put at Red Rocks. Just phantasmagoria, baby. But um, <laughs> the uh, he showed me, and this is crazy, he actually showed me the song Pink Eye on My Leg, which is like, <laughs> yeah. like the track 10 of 14. Yes. And he yes. showed it to me because he was like, this is the most like blah song not in that the song itself is like blah but it kind of encompasses the feeling of like oh it's like a hot summer day like what the fuck am i supposed to do i can pretty much do whatever i want but i have nothing to do absolutely it's also pretty literal because i think maybe the one quote-unquote lyric in the song is uh 
<laughs> totally. It's like an Ed and Eddie like encapsulation or something like that. Like yeah. it just like encapsulates oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so the cartoony. vibe of that show. And he showed me that song and I had heard um uh, waving my dick in the wind because it sounds I don't know if you might correct me if I'm wrong it sounds like it was in a Tony Hawk pro skater game like is that fair because it kind of has that vibe to it it for sure know? has it has the pop punk vibe but I can confirm that Ween does have a song in the Tony Hawk franchise it is off Quebec it's called it's gonna be a long night and that's on Tony Hawk's underground 2 featuring Bam Margera and the cast of Jackass Holy fuck. Of course, Ween and Jackass are going hand oh, in hand. That absolutely. makes so much sense. Yeah, that's that, that's that MTV2 energy. I love it. As far as this album goes, uh, I was actually, again, I was also familiar with Ocean Man um, and the, the Pink Eye on My Leg song because of my buddy, but I, uh, I hadn't ever listened, like, purposefully to Ween before. Uh, I had never uh, uh, dove in, so to speak, but I'm really glad you picked this album because it is pretty cool, I would have to say. I'm glad you think so. I think that the... The energy that it sets up with I'm dancing in the show tonight is not the same energy that is sustained throughout, but it really kind of lets you know you got to be fucking ready for anything on this album because it's going to throw some stuff at you and you are going to react and hopefully in a positive way. Um, I think that if we just kind of went through uh, the track list here, I'm dancing in the show tonight literally sounds like a precursor to the Goofy Goober song. Like not the Goofy Goober rock, <laughs> yeah. but like like the Goofy Goober song. Um, yeah. What, 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 what tracks really stand out to you guys besides like the, the, the prototypical Ocean Man? Jeez. Uh, oh. uh, Mason, do you want to go first? I think so. My big one, I, I dropped it into my, my March playlist that's coming up. Hey. Well, it's ready if people want to listen to it, but like my kind of whatever I'm listening to, and especially now that I'm in shelter in place and working from home, I'm listening to a lot of music. Sure. Uh, mine is It's Gonna Be All Right. That's a yep. very, I, I well, love, I love the, um, I don't think I was prepared for, I saw that title, obviously, and I was like, I love a song that's just like kind of this you know like it's gonna be all right makes you feel good prepared to feel good but because this album kind of vacillates between like right on this very specific uh kind of seesaw of being very goofy and very sincere and always managing to find a balance that's like a really just like straight on sincere um very earnest very heartfelt song that just like got me right in the right in the heart and so that's like kind of my big one from this i I love that i also like pink eye on my leg just because uh (laughs) it's i don't know man it's just it's it's very it's 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 a good reprieve i will say just just a very goofy song built up of like kind of parts on a casio keyboard i want to say like i'm not 100 percent sure yeah um I think those are, like, my big two. Uh, Rocky, I'm sure you've heard... I can't even imagine how many times you've heard this album, but what's, like... I could probably... What, what do you keep coming sing back al- to? I could probably sing along flawlessly with about 85% of this album. Like, I bet you can. Like, That's awesome. I just... It's been in my life since... I mean, high school, obviously, and with the, you know, the Spongebob movie, but in college, I really got into Ween and They Might Be Giants, two very similar bands. Um, yeah, um, yeah. One, like, a nerdy older brother, one, like, a like punky drug addict little brother which is ween um and, and there's eels which is the forgotten middle child <laughs> yeah exactly yeah the, oh my god wow we should definitely talk about eels sometime um yeah. but some of the songs that 
uh, I mean, I love all the songs on this, but Polka Dot Tail has been sticking out to me in my recent listen-throughs. Mm-hmm. I really love how drunk that sound that song is. Um, <laughs> and I, I love the very small Hurt um, Me. That's kind of like before the the closing like run of music in that. They th- um, those little those little voices feel like the little fish that would like pop up in SpongeBob, you know, as as much as like there is the the my leg guy, but also yeah. just like in the first <laughs> episode of oh, yeah. of, of the Rocket. nematodes where they're just going meat meat meat, you know, it's yeah. just it, you, it, when you when you realize that Ween is more connected to SpongeBob than you would ever believe, the the connections really do start to pop. Yeah, you feel like the <laughs> synthesis between the sense of humor and um, just kind of the whole, entire sensibilities in general. Um, yeah, the Blarney Stone is a is has turned into a meme song for our group chat uh, for Noah at least. That's my favorite um, track on the album. I love the Blarney it's Stone. So, it's so so delightful. Fun. It's li- um, that, I'm sorry. Go yeah, for it. that song does feel like a Family Guy bit. Like that's why. <laughs> hold on, hold yeah, on, it's... hold on. No, it does not. It does not feel like a Family Guy bit. If anything, it feels like a late Simpsons bit. It's got way okay, more yeah. heart. Family Guy does not yeah. nearly have as much fucking heart and redeemability as this album. Not <laughs> enough sincerity for yeah for Family Guy for sure. No, but, I think Ween. They're a band that um, while they get their kicks in all the time. Um, I think they they give you enough uh, realness that it kind of pays off and you feel like you get yeah. your money's worth. Um, just to do some quick like track uh, picks that I really like. Um, Buckingham Green is one of the craziest <laughs> like inclusions on this yeah, album yeah. because nothing before it, other than maybe the Golden Eel, really like can prepare you for the strings, the guitar solos, the like the lyricism being so grand and like a fucking episode of game of thrones or something mm. uh and also the title track of this album the mollusk is one of the coolest psych like rock songs ever i love it it's so good it's so fun to sing along with it's so it's so fun to jam out to um yeah i can talk about any of these songs at like, at like yeah <laughs> you know what i thought was interesting is uh i was doing a little bit of uh shitty cursory research on these uh on these guys um, and it oh, says yeah. that oh, yeah. on Wikipedia that this is their sixth studio album, but it isn't really like it's not really their sixth really. studio album. It's more like their second or third, depending on where you want to like yeah. start them with. And so they're I mean, you probably know better than me, Rocky. So correct me if I'm wrong. But from what I could glean is that they were doing like tapes, like legit tapes back yeah. in like the 80s. Oh, yeah. And um, Mm -hmm. this and it was like, you know, like the way that Chance and like other rappers were doing like mixtapes before they would actually get like legit albums. These guys were just doing tapes in their local area. And it wasn't until what is it? What was the name? Was the chocolate and cheese? Is that what you were saying? Right. Chocolate and cheese, I think, is their first big breakthrough album. Yeah, that's that's their acid rap, I guess, in in a sense. A hundred percent. Oh my god, I said Charles Campino. No, uh, Chance the Rapper. They're a little um, different, okay? They're a little different. They're, they're that much different. I know. That was a slip of the tongue. I apologize. No, I liked uh, it, but I actually love when you do that. But yeah, this is definitely this definitely feels like their big sophomore outing, even though they have been doing this for a long time. There's an amazing, yeah. amazing YouTube video of this old, early 1990s talk show with an in-studio audience. And for some reason, they got, decided to get Ween on the show. Oh, wow. And uh, it's Dean and Gene Ween. 
Um, that's not the real names. It's Mickey Malciato and uh, Aaron Freeman, who they're both mm-hmm. amazing musicians and cool people worth getting to know. Um, and they just interview these two dudes about like their career, how, how they got there and like what they're doing. And it's kind of obvious they're both really stoned out of their minds, sure. but they're being <laughs> as respectful as possible. They're just kind of like really chill. They're excited to talk about, yeah, we got this record deal. They want us to go record this album and we have a drum machine and we're going to play a little song for you. And um, they perform a song and then it, you kind of see the power that Ween hides, which is that Aaron Freeman's voice is one of the craziest, most varied instruments that they could ever play with. Uh, oh, he, totally. His, he, his his voice on this album and on everything else is just so shockingly able to go high and low and here and there. It's like a it's a cartoon in itself, and it's uh, it's powerful. And uh, I highly recommend checking that video out. I'll probably send you guys a link, and maybe you can put it in the description or something. I would but. love to put that in the description, just because I would love to. Because uh, you love to see it, and I would love to see it. Yeah, I think also just the um, it's it, it. I love that you mentioned that the voice is an instrument because this is such a a. Uh, holistic band and i mean mm-hmm. that in the way that it's like um yeah you have your your dean and gene ween that i feel like they're kind of steering the ship and and i love that it's like kind of a duo front person kind of thing but i love that this album doesn't it feels like a wholeness of a group and not like a wholeness of an individual like kind of personality or a, or a uh, kind of uh, that kind of thing uh, yeah. We talked about why we talked about why with producer Carter last week, and that's very much a group, and I appreciated it because for its um, the fact that it is like one more or less one person's or a duo's or a brother's individual, right? Like it's Yoni of, and the other uh, guy, right? Yoni and yeah, 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 and Josiah, um, and you know you appreciate like a Sufjan Stevens for his ability sure. to like kind of craft a, a an aesthetic or a sound around just like him and his thing, and he seems like a lovely man. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's just. With this, there is such like there's no like kind of dissonance between any of the any of the the musicians in the group or anything. It doesn't feel like they're fighting for attention with each other. They have just like kind of all banded together to make this 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 cool this cool song and I these cool songs and I really love it. Yeah, uh, this they, is a cool album. Yeah, they they kind of like cr- like as a group create a vibe together and then everyone kind of like gets the joke. And then immediately goes in and gives that joke what it needs to really soar. You know, whether it's like these insane punk drums on I'm Waving My Dick in the Wind or I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot. Or if it's Mm -hmm. these like really ridiculous guitar solos out of nowhere on pretty much any of these songs, honestly. Um, Yeah, they they can take any idea like away from the previous genre they were just playing with and then just put as much effort and creative care and heart and humor into it as the last one it's uh it's it's really exciting and i think it's why one of the they're one of the cooler or they're one of my favorite bands and i think they're they're worth checking out even if you're not a fan of their particular kind of grimy sensibility (laughs) yeah i think this is also like a great having not dove into other uh, other albums at least in years this, I think you're you're you were correct in starting off and kind of me, making this be the primer for folks because this is a very I'm encouraged and I want to branch out to other <clears throat> Ween uh, albums after listening to this just because I kind of understand better what to expect um, and I kind of ex- understand like the kind of general vibe and their general energy in a way that I don't think I did if I listened to something like El Cucaracha or whatever, sure, um, which I I. Th- want to say I pro- was probably one of my ways in and that's like later in their career um, or later in the, the life of this band but yeah I mean I just really 
Do you want to know? Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, <clears throat> according to the Wikipedia notes, I'm Dancing in the Show Tonight is a reworking of a 1953 Christmas song, Are My Ears On Straight, recorded by then 10 year old <laughs> Gala Peavy, which, uh, who the fuck knows what that means? But <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Gala Peavy. Bless up, Chef, for Gala Peavy. I just found out what F in the chat truly means. I did not realize really? what F in the chat came from. It's from a fucking Call wow. of Duty game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, literally, a, uh... when you're playing it on, on PC, you press F to pay your respects when you're at a fucking yeah, funeral. I didn't know that. And so, and then the game reveals that you are missing an arm because of combat. Is that <laughs> true? I didn't know that. Yeah, your your guy walks up to the to the casket, and then uh, re- like his arm goes out, and it reveals that he's missing an arm because of a you know an injury in, in war. Wow, it's a uh, it's a beautiful audacious little moment of game design that I'm so glad it's turned into a meme. I had and, uh, okay. literally no idea until recently, and uh, I would say let's get some F's in the chat. For the Mollusk by Ween, because I recommend this album. Woo! Uh, here's some crazy things about Gayla Peavy. So she also <laughs> sang I Want Hippopotamus for Christmas. Nice. And, oh, um, okay. She's the mother. Uh, she went to, uh, got a Bachelor of Education from San Diego State. Wow. Owned an advertising firm for 15 years. Married Cliff Henderson. And they have a daughter who uh, is a musician and her music has been featured in several films, notably Studio Ghibli's English dub of Kiki's Delivery Service. So uh, I also recommend Whoa. The Mollusk. <laughs> Let's get an F in the chat going for The Mollusk. Uh, yeah. I recommend it. It's a fun, it's a very fun, unique experience, and I don't think that, uh, and it's just a, 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 at the end of the day, just a blast to listen to. Uh, Rocky, I feel like you, how do you feel about this album? I fucking hate this album. Yes! The good. bit is back. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit, I'm a bit is back. Disagree. <laughs> That's also called a Noah move uh, where everybody else likes the album or movie. You go, ah, wait a minute, folks. No thanks. <laughs> but no, you, you uh, gotta love this. Yeah, I love this. I'm glad you guys like it. It's um yeah, it's just a very unique uh little artifact of, of rock and pop experimentation. And uh I think everyone should check it out, even just once. Yes. Thank you, Chef. We love it. Well, very cool. Moving on from one thing that we heart to, to another, another thing, thing that, that we... I know Rocky, oh, Rocky hearts. Guys, okay. What do we got here, Chef? What do we got, Chef Rocky? Oh boy. Should I say it? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, the movie that I picked today uh, was David O. Russell's I Heart Huckabees. David O. Russell! Huckabees. I Heart Huckabees <laughs> by David O. Russell! Let's. Let's uh, let the audience boo for a little bit here. Uh, just yeah. give them a space to just boo at their phones. Let me just, before we get too ahead of ourselves, I'm going to put an edit point here and put in the uh, audio of him screaming at Lily Tomlin. <laughs> take your leg down. Take we can <sighs> Okay, for Christ's sake, let's just take it one fucking line at a time. We're being very efficient. Be patient with you. So you let's rehearse, please. You're being impatient. <laughs> I think is what everybody knows this. Uh, or Lily Tomlin Good. screaming at him one way or the other. Fuck you! I'm just trying to fucking help you. Do you understand me? No, no, I'm being a fucking collaborator. I'm just trying to help you figure out the fucking picture. Hey, bitch! They're screaming at each other. They're fucking screaming at each other. You know, it's they. Yeah, this was a. Yeah, this that was a tit for tat. That, they were angry. At I'm not here to be fucking yelled at. I worked on this fucking thing for three fucking years. Not to have some fucking <laughs> yell at me in front of the fucking crew when I'm trying to fucking help you. Yeah, and this um, is this is not a very positive 
artistic collaboration between the two of them. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, I think according I to what I've read, this was a flare up. It's a terrible flare up, but Lily Tomlin, at least from what I can glean, has seemed to put it behind her and recognizes yes. that like these things happen. She actually says, I respect David O. Russell quite a bit as a director and as a collaborator, but yeah. you've probably, if you haven't seen this movie, first of all, this is a 2004 film uh, by David O. Russell, the hey, funniest David director of all time. Uh, I'm directed where... here. And then he punches I'm, George Clooney I'm, in the face or I'm vice versa, I guess. Beer, cause I'm Irish. I'm David O. Russell. Um, <laughs> hey, this is uh, 2004. I'm, I'm silver lining my playbook over here. For I directed Three Kings. For I directed Three Kings. Three Kings. For I directed Three Kings. And George Clooney punched me in the face. So he's an asshole first and foremost. Notorious Hollywood asshole. Um, yeah. Had a weird resurgence in the 2010s. Yeah. Um, and and yet. And yet. That's the thing. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of, of myself in my relationship with, with the Russ with the Russ here. <laughs> the but Russ man! With, but I haven't seen a David O. Russell movie since I saw American Hustle in theaters. And I remember people really not responding well to that movie in a subsequent feature film, Joy. Yeah, yeah both of them suck. I'll just say that right now. They both suck, but continue, Jason. <laughs> and then here's the part where I say Joy's actually kind of good. Oh fuck you off! No, it's not. Yeah, no, you is, don't believe that, do you? That I know Rocky is not alone in having, which is the thing. I mean, listen, there's some good stuff in Joy. Bradley, no! Cooper, Bradley Cooper and David O. Russell have a very, very great um, artistic collaboration uh, spark. I guess they did at least. I don't know. I feel like we've been through three phases of David O. Russell's career, and the third one is over because Joy was the last thing he did. And he's had trouble getting stuff off the ground since then because he, I don't know, because uh, yeah, of, of his because of him because of him his, obviously yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, despite the fact that he had a like his third phase of his career was an Oscar run basically from the fighter yeah. through Ameri- through Joy essentially where he started working with Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper, um, the latter of which I think is a better collaboration than you know uh, the other, whatever, um, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, uh, this movie we're talking about today is, I think, a vestige of a missing chunk of his career, which I think would have been pretty amazing. Even though I admit he is very difficult, there's a lot of amazingly terrible things about him out there. You should read some articles. Uh, so I do not defend his character in the slightest. Um, yeah. But uh, so feel free to steal this movie if you have not seen it and you think this conversation is interesting. Or, because yeah, yeah, I don't know what are you gonna Def- say, Mason. I say definitely steal, definitely steal this movie. And uh, if like, don't listen to this part, FBI, but uh, reach out to one of us. So you're not waiting thirty hours for this thing. To yeah, finish. no, talk to Mason in particular. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, I actually there was a brief period of time around the fighter and so and Silver Linings Playbook where I thought to myself. This guy is my favorite director. I actually did have that sure. thought yeah, run sure. through my head. I thought Silver Linings Playbook was such the shit when I saw it. I thought it was so fucking good. And I still think it's pretty yeah. good. Like when I watch Pop It On Now, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a number of years. But I still think it's good. And I think The Fighter, for as kind of straightforward as it is, has some merit to it as well. I think there's some really nice performances Absolutely. in that movie. And I yeah. think there's some just good, old-fashioned Hollywood filmmaking in that movie from the parties involved. And then I was so hyped for American Hustle. I could not yeah. believe how hype I was. And I remember That's going a- to see it 
on yeah. opening day and being so disappointed because I couldn't tell you a fucking thing that happens in that movie because nothing it's, fucking happens. It's pretty chaotic, and I guess I would say some people would say the same thing about the movie we're talking about today. Sure. Um, in that it's a wild ensemble piece that this, I think David O. Russell is at his best when he's working on, on characters who are passionate, scared, and angry. And when yeah. he has to deal with plot, sometimes he can kind of get in his own way, maybe. Um, or, I, I don't know, I think it's just better. He, he, he like creates set pieces out of emotional breakdowns. And I think that the best parts of American Hustle are, like, people going yeah. insane. Like, yeah. Jer- Jeremy Renner crying his eyeballs out. And, um, like, uh, fucking... Uh, yeah, Chris- Christian Bale also crying. Anytime someone cries in his movies, I'm so captivated because he s- seems so clearly aware of the awkward thrill of of actual weeping. Sure, <laughs> and yeah. I think he always captures yeah. it. Like with very intense sincerity, which is why I think Silver Lang's playbook uh, worked so well, and why it still holds up to me, even though I can kind of do with or without the Martin Scorsese esque uh, like filmmaking flair. Yeah, I remember um, the word being used around American Hustle in twenty thirteen was that it was or twenty fourteen or fifteen, whatever year that came out, was that it was faux Scorsese. Yeah, the oh. same year that that yeah. uh, Wolf of Wall Street came out, and people were like, totally. "What's the better? What was the better, Scorsese or faux Scorsese?" And I was Damn. like. Yeah, I, at the time, I think at the time and even now, I'm like Wolf of Wall Street, even though I've only just because, you know, it, it's it's Marty. It's the Wolf of Wall Street. It's Oh, it's, no uh, shit. Are you kidding me? Wolf you know, of Wall Street's I mean, so much better than American Hustle. Want to hear the craziest Hustle. thing about, uh, I want to hear my uh, a crazy thing about the movie Silver Linings Playbook? Sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Yeah, fucking tell us, dude. It was the, so it, when I, my freshman year of college, um, I was still commuting. I was living at home and commuting into the city, and I went downtown for a Thanksgiving kind of potluck with my friends. Spent the night at their dorm, and then I got up after sleeping on the couch and went to the AMC River East, um, which if a you're classic. from Chicago, listening to this in Chicago, you know exactly what I'm talking about. With uh, two of my buddies from high school, and we had like an all-day movie marathon, basically. And the first movie we saw was Silver Linings Playbook, and then we went to, I believe, Argo, and then Flight, and then Skyfall, and capped this almost twenty-hour day off with Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. And I fell asleep. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you picked the best one to fall asleep, and that movie's fucking boring. That movie's very sleepy. I like Lincoln, but also, yeah, of course you're gonna fall asleep during it. Yeah. Um, God, 2012. What a fucking year for movies that was. Jesus. Yeah, that, right. That, why? Why? Movie. Why did you decide we're gonna do this? What was the thought behind that? You're just like, we're young, we're, we're hot, we're gonna do it. Like, what was the thought? Yeah, basically. I mean, it was like yeah. this is a fun thing we're gonna do. Like, none of us, like, I don't think any of us had had a kind of day like that. And with the River East, it was um, you would get your ticket torn on this kind of you'd take the elevators up go to the box office get your ticket torn and go upstairs and then it was kind of just like pick the litter it back in those days it was kind of pick the litter you could just walk from screen to screen and see whatever you wanted basically which Whoa. is what we did one of my buddies actually bought tickets for every single movie that we went to see that day because he's an honest guy yeah. better than me and my other friend um but it was just like let's do this because it's fun like we ate only popcorn all day and just had like a day in the movies um, yeah. But yeah, so Rocky. I miss those days. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Now you have to pay for your seat and all that stuff. It's like going to the airport. It's awful. Well, actually, you can't even go to the movie theaters now because we're. All- it's gonna say, it's yeah, like going even- to the fucking airport. I gotta wait in line. I gotta turn my shoe inside out. I gotta let some. They make woman. me take my laptop out of my bag. And it's just. Uh, they take me to throw my water in the trash can. What the fuck? 
I'm trying to get on a plane to go to Phoenix. I just want to do that. <laughs> I'm trying to go to Thanksgiving dinner with my family. That so I'm trying try to watch Trolls World Tour. <laughs> Rocky, so what is your Rocky. relationship with I Heart Huckabee specifically? Mason, I fucking stole that question out of your mouth, all right? Thank you, Chef. Thank yeah, you. Everyone. It's funny because... It's funny because it's very similar to a relationship I have with a previous movie I talked about on this podcast, which is Buffalo 66. Yes. Uh, best friend in high school, older brother has a friend who's a cinephile, brings this movie up, and we all just kind of start like gathering around this movie and like watching it kind of back and forth and being like, like yeah, this movie's kind of weird and crazy. And like I kind of watch it like one or two more times and kind of like, okay, I think I actually like really love this movie. I like, really get like you know what's going for in its moments and choices yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it, it was just one of those movies I fell in love with in high school, and the you know further zoomed out in David O. Russell's career, kind of to talk about what I was discussing earlier with his like career trajectory. This is a style of filmmaking I think that is very specific and kind of awkward for a lot of people because it is very old school in a lot of ways. Like it reminds me of a comedy from 1971. Yeah. Like it is just a lot of crosstalk. It's a lot of like, you know, soundstage sets, uh, very beautifully designed, although it is very Wes Anderson and it's, uh, you know, specificity and it's choices. And Shout all out Mark stuff. Bridges, the production designer of I Heart and also the costume designer of Punch Drunk Love. I wrote exactly. I wrote Mark Bridges in my notes because uh, Mark Bridges is the fucking guy, the costume designer for uh, has the, won the jet ski for having the shortest speech at the 2017 or 2018 yeah. Oscars for designing the costumes for Phantom Thread. Bless up in the sh- it's bless up in the he, chat for yeah, freaking Mark uh, Bridges. Opposite of F in the chat, but yeah, I, <laughs> I I really just fell in love with how this movie handled itself because it is so. Like, of all the comedies that were coming out in the 2000s in general, like, this is just not what you would see. And it's uh, a very confusing movie. But I think as I grew older and returned to it here and there, it kind of became so much more special with time because it's about something that everyone goes through, especially at this point in our lives. I think as I, I can speak for us at our age. I mean, like, it is a movie about existential crises. And uh, yeah. how it goes about it is... I, to me, just very funny, very honest, and um, like uh, I think it uses an artistic platform for the sake of um, solidarity, in a way. Like I think this is a movie about understanding that uh, we are all f- still trying to figure this out, and that um, it is okay to be dealing with the nihilistic idea that nothing matters and yeah. the idealistic choice that uh, everything does matter, you know, and then just kind of oscillating between the two there. I think it's a very fun and weird journey between these thoughts and uh, like, m- yeah. like modes of thinking. What and I, th- I love it for that. What I think is interesting is that I, li- I really like what you said, first of all. I think that's a really actually very touching, beautiful read on the film. And I don't think that <clears throat> most people who are watching the movie for the first time uh, might get that because of how much is going on in the film. And I think that that's a really... It is a very abrasive, and I think that's a really nice read on it. And I think what's uh, interesting is that ultimately, you know, I think the idea of balance gets thrown around not only in this movie, but, like, just a, a, around a lot. And what you and what I think is so... And this is a little bit of a spoiler, so if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> click off. But um, the two, I guess, like... I don't want to say they're the two main characters, but uh, Schwartzman and Wahlberg are sitting yeah. on that rock at the end of the movie, and 
they're both ended up in the same place, but at least they've found each other. And in a way, they yeah. kind of balance each other out. And I think it's implied that they've both realized neither of their philosophies are really working for each other. And they're just right. going to sit there and keep hitting themselves in that face with that ball, which I read as you need a little bit of both to really make things yeah. work. And I think that's Absolutely. a nice ending for a movie that is kind of not kind of very scatterbrained, very all over yeah. the place. Doesn't always convoluted is a word that's fair. I think very convoluted. Yeah, but like, but I think it works to its advantage. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Well, no, that's okay. But I was just gonna say, I think, I think that ultimately this is a movie. Actually, I would argue similarly to another film that came out this last year, Jojo Rabbit, where I don't actually mm. like often how we got to where we ended up, but I really like where we ended up because I, I, okay. I, I don't love everything about Jojo Rabbit in a lot of ways I would say I don't love the movie as a whole but I really like where we end up in Jojo Rabbit regardless of how we got there and that's kind of how I feel about I Heart Huckabees I have a bigger love for I Heart Huckabees than I do Jojo mm-hmm. Rabbit but at the end of the day I think that that is a similar sort of path that we're on uh, for both films um, Mason you want to step in and squash me like a bug real quick well at least somebody likes Jojo Rabbit that's all I'll say about that at least a lot of people like Jojo Rabbit at least the Academy liked Jojo Rabbit that is all I will say about my thoughts on Jojo Rabbit at this moment um I no, I agree with everything that you guys are saying I don't know what I expected from this movie in particular I remember seeing like the a trailer for it I want to say when I was a kid and being like I don't know what a Huckabee is I don't know what this is and then it kind of coming out and like kind of just evaporating (laughs) I don't know what a Huckabee is is so good. I still don't know what a fucking Huckabee is. What the fuck is that? Um, But I sat down to watch this movie, and I was curious because I was like, I don't really know. Because Rocky peeked behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, He suggested two other movies. One was a a 70s comedy, Taking Off, which I hope we get to cover on the show at some point. The other was Speed Racer. And then there was this one, and I was like, I don't really know too much about this movie, so I'm excited to get a chance to sit down and watch even though the download took 30 hours to finish. (laughs) Haha, bless up. Uh, and it started, and it starts with, um, with Jason Schwartzman, um, plagiarizing my poem that I wrote for Rocky, and it just kept on going, and by the time he gets to the, it, it gave me the, the feeling that I love to have at the beginning, when I'm seeing a movie for the first time, which is just, like, there's just, like, a, 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 a blip of something that I was not expecting, and it was just Jason Schwartzman just, like, really beating into himself like he was like oh like he just like the entire first like maybe just just self-hatred self-hatred i'm like this is an interesting place for this movie to start and then he goes to meet the existential detectives um played by um lily tomlin who got along really well with the director of this film as we mentioned (laughs) earlier um and dustin hoffman and yeah. they're in their thing, and they're doing their Famous role other deck. guy who's really easy to get along with. <laughs> a lot, a bunch of really easy guys to get along with on this one. Ooh, boy. Yeah. And, just, uh, just great. Just great. And it, it gets to the point where he's exp- he is um, he puts Jason Schwartzman in the... In the bag. Um, the big the blanket, the bag. And he has, like, yeah. this crazy, like, kind of early motion, like, motion effect kind of dream sequence like depth into his subconscious and then i'm like at that point i just kind of surrendered to wherever the movie was going to take me and i was so happy that it did um 
I really, yeah. I took a, a handful of philosophy classes when I was in college, like early college, and I oh, love stuff with a little philosophical bent to it, just because I like ideas, I like thinking about things, and I really yeah. think that this, um, I was reading some contemporary, and I, what, it, what, I was reading contemporaneous reviews by, like, Roger Ebert and uh, Scott Tobias in The Guardian. Scott Tobias was the most charitable to this movie of the three mm -hmm. reviews that I read, but I was mostly curious to see, like, what the kind of cultural, like, the kind of culture around this movie and the thought was, and it didn't seem like anybody really got it. And that was not quite, not to flex my brain too much, but that was not quite my experience watching it. I felt like it was a fairly straightforward movie. If I could say that, because it's like I my my like the really the re <laughs> the uh, the response that I was reading from a lot of folks made it it was very similar to something that like like Under the Silver Lake or Inherent Vice is, and I feel like totally. those are two totally. movies that are like way harder to crack at on first go than I Heard Huckabees is because they're a little more meandery, and this is more of a movie about like like you guys have been saying, and I think that it's it's very. Um, it, it's great that you decide to choose this movie now in this moment where everybody is kind of vacillating, at least I am, between um, despair and kind of hope and always somewhere in the... and trying to find, like, the kind of comfortable middle with with the future. Um, because it's kind of, like, what this movie is about, it's, a, it's like, it's, it is about trying to um, figure out, like, what your life is going to mean and what it does mean. Um, and just about, like, not being afraid to look at the kind of, like, darker parts of yourself and the stuff you're trying to run away from. That's, like, the whole arc with the Jude Law character, who is fucking awesome in this movie also. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And, uh, this, yeah. and with, like, the Naomi, the Naomi Watts character. I love that there's like, a little bit of, like, kind of a, a mid-aughts, like, corporate <clears throat> culture satire in, in the kind of yeah. stew of this movie. Um, I don't know. I thought it was, like, watching it, I loved it, and then part, like... When I had a little more time away from it, I was like, yeah, how, how do I really feel about this movie? And talking about it with you guys again, I was like, yeah, no, like, this is a pretty, I think, special movie. And really is a bit of, like, a lost, um, uh, uh, I don't want to say classic, kind of a, a hidden gem, an uncut gem, in a way. Uh, and I just, I, I really uh, enjoyed it. And that's my kind of big thoughts on it. <laughs> Glad that you enjoyed it. And it seems like you were very, it was very much going to be up your alley. Um, as you kind of described your background with philosophy and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's also a movie that is pretty relevant, I'd say. Um, I like to I like to think of this movie as a nice double feature with First Reformed. It's oh kind boy! Of like, uh, style, just like tonally, um, just another side of that same coin of like, how are we gonna fucking reckon with humanity and the terribleness that we are capable yeah. of and that we have committed this movie is made in the wake of 9-11 um and mark Wahlberg. that september thing. yeah exactly and yeah september thing and uh mark Wahlberg's character really embodies this personality type that i think is he's a firefighter and he's obsessed with the fact that petroleum and the fight for it is killing people yeah and is just causing havoc all across the world and is overall just an evil, evil thing. And he's just so bent up about it that all he can do is be angry and catatonic. Like, I, like this movie shows him being so devastated, and when he can actually do something about it, he just freaks out at people. And it's amazing. It's, it's so watch. interesting that Wahlberg 
kind of goes on a little bit of a mini run with O'Russell a little bit. And yeah. because O'Russell being as alpha as he is. I love you call him It's the bit. It's the funny. Uh, and he <laughs> goes on a bit of a run with uh, Mr. David. And he is so alpha. And Mark Wahlberg yeah. is so alpha that it's kind of like they almost cancel each other out. Or it's like, hey, this guy gets me. I love working with David. Yes. David's so cool. David's the man. And it's like so interesting that Wahlberg picked this part and was, you know, given this opportunity because you really don't get to see him in these sort of situations where no. he actually plays a deeply feeling person. You I mean, even in yeah. Boogie Nights, he's a very young kid who's just sort of going through it all. And you do get to see yeah. uh, highs and lows, but not an emotional depth of like, existentialism like you do in this and it's just a very interesting casting decision and truly my favorite performance in the film where a film that is just loaded you have dustin hoffman isabella who isabel huper jude law jason schwartzman lily tomlin Wahlberg, naomi watts richard jenkins jonah hill tippy hedron talia shire as mrs silver bob shania twain silver Yes, yes, yes. Bob Gunton yeah. is Mr. Silver. And Shania Twain actually fucking shows up, <laughs> believe it or not, folks. Wait, did you know who that other guy uh, yeah. in the elevator with them is? No. When she... No, the guy with the beard yeah. and the hair? Do you know who that is? I don't know. I couldn't oh tell who God, it was. That's, but he, he, they... that's George Meyer. He's the supervising producer on The Simpsons. No way. That's oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. We love that. That is strange. I the, love that. Uh, and, yeah. and you that's get a strange. really fucking... That's Jonah Hill's first ever film role is in this as yeah, uh, the you, son yeah. of Richard Jenkins' son. Did you see that... Um, did you see... <laughs> do you know how he got cast in this movie? Did you see that on the IMDb trivia? I don't... I, I heard it was because... He's friends with... Did David or Russell... No, he's friends with Dustin oh, Hoffman's yeah, no. son, right, Jake? Yeah, he, yeah. Yes, exactly. he yeah. was doing comedy and Dustin Hoffman's kids saw him do comedy in LA and were like, we, you have to meet our dad... And Jonah Hill's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then he, like, actually hung out with them, and their dad was Dustin Hoffman. Wild, man. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah, and Dustin Hoffman's son is also in the movie as the bellhop at the hotel. At the oh, end. nice. That's correct, yeah. Um, it says yeah. on Wikipedia here, um, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of peek, peek behind the production curtain of I Heart Huckabees. Uh, before <laughs> directing his first feature, Spanking the Monkey, Russell intended <laughs> to make a film, quote, about a guy who sits in the back of a Chinese restaurant with microphones on every table to surreptitiously listen to everybody's conversations, then write perversely personal fortunes for each person. End quote. Hitting writer's block, Russell could not figure out how to make the film work. I wonder why. In the meantime, <laughs> Russell was called for jury duty, after which he stopped writing the film. That is a real sentence in the Wikipedia article. How the fuck are we Got supposed it. to know that? And Ideas that film eventually became so... the lives of others. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Russ, ideas in the script um, stayed with him through. They uh, stayed with him though, and they would later form the basis for the Huckabee script. The final idea came to a Russell in a dream, where quote the female detective she was not following me uh, for criminal reasons, but she was following me for spiritual and medical metaphysical ones. End quote. Russ Russell, who makes a habit of writing down his own dreams, knew instantly upon reading the summary for the uh, of the dream that this was the story he wanted to pursue. That's interesting. Believe it, it or is not. interesting. Yeah, it's 
It, I mean, like, it, it, oh, as a logline, it sounds like a French comedy yeah. or something. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's a detective movie, but it's about, like, if the detective was your therapist also, and you're trying to figure out why you're Yeah, doesn't that, that does sound like a, like a Godard movie or something. Like, <laughs> Totally, yeah. And, I mean, like, he kind of plays it like uh, like a French New Wave film I, sometimes. I actually, there. and part yeah, of the uh, thing that, like, keeps me back from fully loving this movie, to be honest with you, is... It really, truly feels like he's trying to do Charlie Kaufman big time. That's what it yeah, feels. Yeah, that to was me. something that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and was, I just couldn't get past yeah. it because Kaufman is one of like my guys, and I'm sure he's you know one of everybody's guys. Like, but he really is yeah. like one of my all time faves, and I really just couldn't ever get past the fact that I'm like Kaufman or Spike Jones should have been directing this movie. I, I. It's that's an unavoidable thought too because the person who made the score is of John Bryan, incredible who is score too, a notorious uh, Charlie Kaufman collaborator, and also yeah, I'm I was joking with the with Noah and uh, Mason that I want to do the soundtrack for this movie as the album for the for and the then episode. we all took a big hearty um, laugh and, I, and went haha, please do not do that <laughs> for the love of God do not do that but. I have listened to this album, uh, this soundtrack, as an album, uh, as many times as The Mollusk. Uh, there's about six or seven, five or six tracks where John Bryan actually like wrote lyrics and turned them in, turned the score motifs into pop songs, and uh, they're all beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful soundtrack. I highly recommend checking it out. But yes, um, David Russell is definitely someone to kind of ape his, uh, not ape, but also appreciate his contemporaries. Yeah. Um, I remember watching the behind the scenes for Three Kings, and he was obsessed with the Royal Tenenbaums when it came out. Like, he would not stop talking about the Royal Tenenbaums. It was like his favorite movie of all time, so at the time Damn. when it came out. Um, so I could definitely see him being like, I love what the, like, you know, upper echelon of dark comedy in mainstream filmmaking is doing right now. And he kind of wants to continue making stuff like that. And, you know, it kind of tracks here. But as we've said before, he's such a scatterbrained personality and storyteller that it's like he kind of gives ends up giving it his own spin, which is thusly kind of confusing for a lot of people and might be only funny in bursts, which is literally bursts of emotion and whatnot. But I have a quick trivia thing I wanted to add to Noah's um, talking about the development of the story. Um, let's all go ahead and go to IMDb right now and note the co-writer of this film. Yeah, yep. Uh, big time, big time F yeah. in the chat. So this movie is co-written by Jeff Bain, yep. who is a uh, a modern mumblecore uh, like stalwart Woo. of sorts. He's uh, going out with Aubrey Plaza. He just made Horse Girl, which is a kind of a meme thing. He got to go into the Criterion um, closet, little son of a bitch. He did. Yes, he uh, he made The Little Hours. He made Joshi. Uh, which also has a lot of mumblecore. I've seen Joshi. Have you now, guys seen Joshi? I've not seen Joshi. I've seen Joshi. It's, it's better than it's I fun. thought it was going to be, truly, but yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'd say that it's all right, and that Middle Ditch has an amazing moment. <laughs> yeah, he does. Joshi, but other than that, it's like, it's fine. Um, but if I remember the story correctly, Jeff Bannon was working on a movie with uh, David O. Russell in like a kind of below-the-line capacity, okay. I think. And... Um, he got injured or like deeply sick and ended up in the hospital and David or Russell would visit him in the hospital <laughs> and kind of to, to lift his spirits up, they would pitch movie ideas back and forth. Okay. And, uh, I, I and since this idea clearly persisted in David or Russell's mind from before he was even making feature films, I think this might've just come up eventually. And the two started developing it together and eventually did write the movie together as a means of bonding while Jeff was in the hospital. Mm. 
And uh, Jeff Bano would not go on to have a filmmaking career for another six years or so. Yeah, I mean, 2004 is when uh, the I Heart Huckabees comes out, and Life After Beth doesn't come out until 2014. So it's a full 10 years before something comes out. Right, so even, it's a full decade. Exactly, yeah. It's just crazy. But yeah, Jeff had this really weird blip of the screenwriting credit with David O. Russell for a movie that really came in once. That's one thing I love and appreciate about this movie, too, uh, is that I wasn't expecting. It was just how sweet it was. Like, we talked about the ending Mm -hmm. ending moments of it. Uh, Noah spoiled that for anybody that hadn't seen the movie. Uh, I'm I'm kidding, buddy. But that's what I love. You're about not kidding. I actually did. That wasn't a fucking joke. Yeah. I did uh, that. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding that it was a thing that bothered me, and I think would bother our listeners. Um, but <laughs> well, it does bother you. You're clearly pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I wanted to say was just, um, I love that this is a movie where, like, the kind of rom the the romance, quote unquote, like the kind of romantic B plot is a story about friendship. It's about, like, you finding your yeah. other, but not somebody that is going to complete you kind of romantically in that way, um, but is just there and kind of understands understands what you're going for and is kind of, is your compliment kind of and platonically. Um, and I think that's just a really sweet conclusion to a story and just, like, a way that a movie ends that you don't see a ton of, you know? In any other kind of movie, I think, yeah. the Mark Wahlberg character would be some 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 hot honey or something you know that and, and it was like they they would like fuck at some point but no like the only they the only time that they fuck it the only Jason Schwartzman only fucks Isabel Hooper in this movie uh which is yeah in a yeah. very disgusting crazy way very very strange oh, yeah it's so bizarre it the music works especially well too because it is so beautiful like it's lush and it like really is acting like this is a perfect yeah. wonderful romantic moment but what's happening on screen is so horrifyingly stark and yeah. weird and gross. It's like the graveyard scene like in the Groover. <laughs> wow. What a fucking pull. That is, that you just kind of hit Rocky's button right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You really, you really hit me in the heart it, right there. Yeah, that is, uh, that's a masterpiece of, uh, of, of comedic film. The Groover, absolutely. <laughs> the, the, the cut from yeah. that song in slow motion to just... <laughs> <laughs> Like that is a movie kind of like the, uh, and it's so unfortunate that it came out at a time when nobody could really appreciate it on its level, me included. Um, yeah. I didn't see this movie until a couple years, like in twenty seventeen or eighteen. I want to say I don't know. But this is that is a movie wow. like yeah. the Blues Brothers. It is kind of like all hitters, no quitters, all killer, no filler. Like there's not a single yeah. wasted second in that movie. Uh, no. But Gruber's a just. There's always going to be something stupid or something yeah. genuinely smart. Um, the Gruber is a conversation for another podcast, but I would yeah. like to talk about it on the show. Oh, we'll make it happen. The yeah. um, I think I do think but, it's uh, I do think it's a uh, a nice moment uh, that it is like going back to what you guys were saying about the relationship with Mark Wahlberg and um, Jason Schwartzman is you really truly don't believe these guys are going to be friends when they first meet, and yeah. it is nice to actually see. Yeah. Oh, well, they're actually getting along, and these these guys are helping each other out. And I think it really does go is a testament to show how Wahlberg really does know does know what he's doing, even though he is insane and believes that he could have prevented nine yeah. eleven if he had been on the plane, you know. Which maybe he could be, and maybe that's something we really aren't giving him full credit on. But like, it is pretty amazing. Hey. We're not actually considering if we could actually stop 9-11 if he was hey, on the plane. I could have done it. I could have beaten him up. I could have I destroyed him. I'm a big fucking idiot. I could have destroyed him. 
You don't know all the variables there, man. I couldn't. He is so funny. I could have used one of the the overhead compartments and the tray tables to Dude, pull. Dude, I love him. He's so good. He's so funny. He's he's got that Adam Sandler quality where you're so pissed off at him for being bad in movies and making dumb decisions, and then when he pops up here and there, just being like, "Oh he my god, really you are a beautiful with, performer." Like, directors that know how to use him, or at least he's chosen not to. Now that he's what's his big? Is he a Fast and Furious guy? Like what's his, or he's no. like, just kind of the big studio? No, guy? he's got he he has Pete. He has yeah. Peter that's Berg, it. and he has documentary shows on HBO. That's it. Basically, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. like he's he's working yeah. with some like he's working with directors that just know how to use him as like kind of a slab of meat. Basically, not that he's like not a charismatic yeah. or interesting guy. I love he's. I think he's so fascinating. But I do wish that he could. Like I do wish that we got more performances like this out of him, where he can show like a little, like a less self consciously tender. Uh, or vulnerable side of him because I think he's so 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 good. Yeah, a, a little more screwball of a performance, but a, equally as good and committed, I think, as the other guys. Yeah, um, I think we see him like wow. pretty much in a very similar mode. But this movie like actually tracks him on an emotional level. Um, not that the other guys doesn't, but like I think that's the bit in that movie. But in this film, you do see a real dimensional human being who is also hilarious. Like I think it. It works on so many levels, like it's, and also I. This is a scene. I just I was watching this movie again recently, and it's such a bizarre moment, but I think it really, really, really works. But it's when Mark Wahlberg uh, goes to. We're doing spoilers. Are we okay with that? Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, Mark Wahlberg is the first person to arrive at Jude Law's house, which is burning down because Jason Schwartzman burned his jet skis. Uh, that's a very fun st- sentence to say. Uh-huh. But he he arrives and sees Naomi Watts on the ground, and they both had met each other previously in the film, but they both have also had the exact same existential crisis. Yeah. So, like, when they both realize that they have, like, like where they circumstantially found each other and, like, you know, are in this moment together, they just stare at each other. And John Bryan's music kind of directs the scene for a second. Mm-hmm. Kind of like these like little grace notes on the horns and like, you know, like xylophones and all that kind of stuff. And they just hold each other and stare at each other for almost half a minute and then start kissing. And it is a moment that really only works if you're paying attention and picking up every single little detail that the movie is giving you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're kind of letting it's like bombastic, kind of loud, like Altman-esque washing over you. You're, it's not really gonna. It's just gonna be a weird thing of like, why, like why are these two people having a connection? But I think that like if, uh, when the movie is at its best and you're kind of engaging with it at its at its most primal, that's an amazing sequence, and I think he really earns it, even though Definitely. not many people are willing to meet it on that level. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just love that moment. If I wanted to me- to mention it because it's just a crazy moment of filmmaking confidence that just like you know for like a lot of folks just kind of falls flat on its face but it's actually trying something and i think it does it pretty well um i'm glad you brought that up uh because i think at this point like in the idea you know we're far enough along where we can kind of talk about uh if this movie actually worked for us ultimately and if we should recommend it because like you said you know if people are willing to give it a chance or you know whatever we're in a good spot to do that so mace what do you think? What where, uh, where do you really stand with this movie? <laughs> I really um I I really uh loved it. I or Oh wow. Really I almost fucking it. believe you. Yeah, I uh, no well, <laughs> I mean it's it's such a specific I definitely recommend it. I just don't know how yeah. I think I need to watch it again and I'm pretty sure probably on rewatch it will speak to me a little more, but it was really just like the kind of pure pleasure of discovering this movie. 
and watching it and experiencing it as it was unfolding, you know, even though so I you had was not like, seen it before, I had not seen it before. No, gotcha. I was watching it and, um, it w- I was watching it in my bedroom and the way that my room is set up, there's like my little, like kind of small TV on my desk and I had my laptop hooked up to it. It was streaming through like my, my, um, streaming like the kind that I had downloaded onto my TV and I could see like the kind of sky, like kind of changing colors behind me. It was like watching it between like kind of. Uh, the late afternoon, evening, so dusk was happening, and he gets to the part where he's talking about where Jason Schwartzman gets to the part where he's talking about the um, have you ever stood in the mid- in the middle of a meadow in the middle and like the, a night like that's so like yeah. whatever that line is, and that was I like kind of like was watching the sky change colors and I was like I'm just gonna stop this movie for a second and go outside, um, and I think the thing that is causing me to really love this, and I think what would cause people to meet it on its level in a way that you wouldn't necessarily be able to with like uh, Inherent Vice or like an Under the, Under the Silver Lake, is this like um, that kind of that like kind of heart that it has. I think Inherent Vice is a movie with a lot of heart. I think it's a movie its heart's in the right place. I love that movie dearly. But this is a movie that uh, its main character is a guy that wants to save. Uh, he's a much more sympathetic and kind of you can get to him a little easier than you can with Doc Sportello or with the Andrew Garfield character in Under the Silver Lake. And I think that that's, I think the kind of care uh, and the love for all of his characters that David O. Russell has, even if he is very like kind of spastic and weird all over the place, you do care get the sense that there's a genuine affection for all of his characters in here that kind of pushes it over the line for me to almost loving territory. Uh, yeah, I re- definitely recommend it. Bedtime, full thread recommend for me. Uh, really, really like this movie. Uh, Noah, how do you feel about I Heart Huckabees? Do you, how do you, do you heart um, the Huckabees? Where do you, where do you land? Um, I think that these Huckabees are truly okay. Okay, Huckabees. <laughs> I think that hey. I okay Huckabees. Because I can't get over the fucking fact that Spike Jones or Charlie Kaufman should be making yeah, this movie I can see, and not David sure. O. Russell. Sorry. It is I one can of see those, a version of this movie that feels like the third act of being John Malkovich on a constant basis. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. The movie fucking opens with a in-his-head monologue literally the yeah. same way adaptation totally. does. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. He's, he's not, you know, being uh, coy about it. He's yeah. taking from these things. But at the same time... If I want to watch that, I'm going to pop in Adaptation or Being John Malkovich. Now, what I do think that this movie does well is showing you people in situations, both literally on a meta level, the actors, and these people in these situations that you don't always get to see. I think that the dinner table conversation when they're with Richard Jenkins and uh, the wife and the the kids or whatever. Yeah. Yes, Gene Smart. Love Gene Smart. That is... That's an awesome scene. That's probably that is an O'Russell's... awesome scene. The first yeah, time you get to go into... The... I was just going to say, like, that's probably O'Russell's most O'Russell. The rest of that movie is very Spike Jonesy and Charlie Kaufman-y. Uh, Gene Smart is wearing a chocolate skateboard shirt, by the way. That is uh, Spike Jones's skateboarding company. That's a little, like, shout-out to his buddy. Um, oh. But, uh, but yeah, that, that. that part is definitely, <laughs> like, just it's just filled with fiery barbs of, like, just anger thrown, like, across the table at different people and just, like... Like talking about logistics of life and like you know like society and economy and like you know just morality and all that stuff. That's where it feels like oh, this is David O. Russell being the most David O. Russell, while the rest of the movie is him picking at different trees of flavors of filmmakers that he really loves and all that kind of stuff, and feels right for this kind of movie. 
Um, and I th- and I think that you just said exactly what it is. He's he's pe- he's taking things that he loves and trying to do them, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, as as me as the viewer of this film, uh, I can't fully recommend it because I feel like if I wanted to watch those people, I would just go watch those people instead. But I do think that this is an interesting watch. I do think it's something that you're going to have an opinion about one way or the other. So for me, this is going to be a conditional recommend. I can't fully recommend it, but I also don't not recommend it because I do think that it is interesting. And uh, to quote my friend, who also was the guy who loved Ween, uh, I don't want to say his name if he doesn't want me to say his name, (laughs) but what he said once, which I think is very something worth thinking about is I'd rather watch somebody shit the bed than fart under the covers. And I think that in a way that is what David O. Russell is kind of doing in I Heart Huckabees. It's not a complete epic, no. you know, face palm like some might the might try and tell you it is, but I don't think it fully works either and that's okay. It's okay for things not to fully work. I would like my friend said I would much rather watch someone shit the bed than fart under the covers. So for me, I'm going to give this a conditional recommend. Mr. Rocky, what do you yeah, have to man. say? Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think what I'm realizing from being on this show and thinking about the art that I love and trying to figure out why I do is I love big swings so, 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 so much. I just love... Totally. Yeah. Especially like when movies don't do well at the box office, but came out this was a major like this is a fox movie this is fox this came out in the theater. yeah like, this, this is a disney movie <laughs> this is a disney movie now <laughs> along with like freddie got fingered you know like it's right. uh it, these are these kind of weird comedies they're different you know um i guess <laughs> they came from different approaches obviously but uh, i digress um i wanted to talk about uh in my wrapping up um, this movie has been a huge stylistic in- inspiration for me um i a lot of my short films kind of took after the the kind of uh, stock footagey, uh, cut and paste kind of weird editing style that is throughout the film, um, like in moments where Jason Schwartzman enters the bag and like you kind of see these weird montages of images colliding yeah. with each other and just kind of sliding in and out of frame and exploding and all that stuff. That that stuff really had a huge effect on me and and uh, like kind of helped save my thesis film in college in a weird way um, because I did not get to direct the movie that I wrote but I got to edit it and I that, that was kind of the movie that um, had me kind of going and thinking about art in a way that had me living and not uh, feeling terrible I guess um, I like that you guys are talking about inherent vice uh, with this movie I think both these those movies uh, this and that film are these kind of weird puzzle pieces not to say that like you know um if you do not like those films that you do not get it uh but for some reason whenever i pick up the pieces that those films present i can kind of configure them in a way that really 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 affects me in a way that like really puts my humanity under a light and kind of gives it a hug and kind of gives it a chance to feel heard and understood because the world is just so scary and these movies are about people who are trying to do something good whether it is saving a small section of a marsh or just trying to ride a bike to a fire site if you're a firefighter um yeah. sure. beating the other firefighters to the fire um or anything else just like i i, I love that this movie just shows that everyone has this kind of hidden core to them that is um kind of like keeping them ticking but also holding them back in a way 
Um, yeah. And uh, uh, like Inherent Vice, it's made in such an esoteric and out there way that is beguiling and very alienating, I think, uh, in, in yeah. many ways. I... But uh, I guess I was talking to my girlfriend about, th- about this uh, when... Dustin Hoffman and Mark Wahlberg are talking to each other and like the little cubes start appearing in front of their faces and noses yes. and stuff. She literally said, What the hell, Rocky? And I I thought that was very <laughs> funny because I guess I like stuff that is, you know, challenging and not always successful for everybody. Um, but it ends up hitting me in the right way. And I I think that's a Yeah, go ahead. No, I, you finish your thought. I'll finish when you're. I'll go when you're ready. Um, yeah. So, like Inherent Vice, it's just a movie that like it took me many times to really kind of f- think about what it was going for. And at this point in my life, I've seen it enough times where I kind of feel something very strong. I feel like a connection to that movie, this romance that is just kind of like really gushing from it yeah. and is really trying to comfort you and to try like make you understand that everything is fucked but you're okay for trying and that like you know in the end even though uh kind of like a noari kind of like well things didn't end up perfectly uh but um there is a humanity that is worth fighting for in everything in everything and uh that's why i love this movie and i do not recommend it so uh (laughs) the bit on the bit on the The bit bit is back some 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 is something as a matter of fact I think I, I, I love the point that you the, I love the thing that you said about the um, the, the the kind of the recognition of every single character's humanity. I was not expecting this movie to have a complete arc for both for the Jaffies and for um, the uh, and for Naomi Watts. Naomi yeah. Watts is also incredible in this movie. I love so, Naomi Watts so much. So, so, so I feel good. like she yeah. always like she is somehow a, an actor that is always working with interesting people and is never fully appreciated for her skills. And she is so good in this for bringing uh, Dawn, like, a, a real, like, kind of empathy yeah. and a real character. And the arc that she has, I think, is just incredible. Just hilarious and, and sad. Like, it's, like, yeah. amazing that she can juggle that so consistently. And also she has the line of the movie, which is, fuck a bees. So I, I think she <laughs> deserves a huge medal for that. But go ahead, Mason, yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's it. Uh, that's it. That was that's my last kind of thought on it. Uh, I think there's. I I I thank you for bringing the, this movie on the podcast, Rocky, and thank you for being on the podcast. And it's just good to see. Listeners can't see this. He's 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 got a Greta, his Greta Gerwig shirt on. He's wearing a cute little strawberry colored hat with an actual strawberry on it. It's very cute, Rocky. It's good to see you, bud. It's great, Rocky. To see you thanks guys. so much for being here. It really for... is fun. Thank you for having me. I love this podcast. It really is about um, our relationship with art in a way that uh, keeps us human and alive, and I, I really love that, and I'm so honored to be a part of it. So thanks for having me on again. I hope we'll have another oh, We're honored fun that you're a part of it too, bud. Um, Rocky, where Rocky. can the people find you if they want to find you? <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter, Rocky Pajarito. That's a little bird in Spanish. Um, watch everything now every Wednesday and Sunday on Twitch at 8 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we're probably going to do a lot of uh, more extra shows here and there because of the quarantine. So uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter, we're everything underscore now underscore. Um, everything now show on Twitch, all one word. Yeah, check it out. We are a weird live comedy show on Twitch. Um, we're trying some stuff out that we don't really see a lot of these days. A lot more now because everyone is uh, stuck at home, so there's no open mics or uh, comedy shows to go to. So everyone's trying to do stuff online through live streaming. But yeah, check out what we can do with the power of the internet. 
and uh, have fun and create some chaos with us. That's it. Great. No. My my uh, my. If I can just echo, I love doing everything now. Uh, yes, I always Noah's do love doing everything now. Consistent guest, yeah. And uh, I'm very sad that these quarantine times are here, especially the fact that you can't do everything now with your buddies. You know, that is a one of the things I was sad about. I'm like, fuck, it's going to be a while until, you know, the gang is back together. And uh, I'm, you know, it, I would love, you know, it, it just is one of those things. So definitely check these guys out if you haven't yet. I love doing the show and uh, I just hope that, you know, things get better. And things got to get a little worse before they do get better uh, in this kind of th- situation. But uh, when it's back, uh, we're going to have some fun on everything. Yeah. Now. But Woo! you can find me uh, on Twitter at Moa Narger. You can find me on Letterboxd at Moa Narger. You can follow YLG on Instagram at YLG.world. And you can follow myself, Noah.Marger. That's Noah D-O-T. We just released a new skit as of recording today. It's great. Uh, thank you, yeah, Chef. That's awesome. And we will be record- hopefully releasing more uh, skits during quarantine. Uh, we had a little bit of an unintended break because of some things that happened in both Fed and I's lives. But we're sitting on some stuff. So hopefully some of that stuff starts coming out. You can also contact this show, this podcast that you're listening to with your stupid ears. Uh, uh, everybody wants to. Number two, get on the list at gmail.com. You can find this podcast on Instagram at it's on underscore the list and on Twitter it's on the list pod like us on Facebook what was that what was that little sound <laughs> what the fuck was that? I'm sorry ignore it hey ignore it. It's just hey does. we got a fucking game over here ah. um uh, you can like us on Facebook. Uh, it's on the list with Noah and Mason. I think that's all the show's socials, right? And you can listen to us on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, yeah. and Apple Podcasts. Mason, where the fuck are you? I'm on Letterboxd under my name. I am on Instagram at HotDogDebicki at GoodSkyTonight. I am on Spotify where you can listen to the It's on the parentheses play and parentheses list which is a collection of all the music we've ever talked about on the show ever i'm also making little monthly playlists of stuff i'm listening to crafting little audio narratives for the folks at home so if you're looking for stuff to listen to old new somewhere in between uh find me there and I, uh I, yeah I, I do this every time i'm, I'm also on letterboxd <laughs> um uh, <laughs> uh rocky pajarito but also i uh in the past two months have started a medium page and i've been writing about music and i've been trying some poetry nice. and writing about hey, there we and go. stuff so uh i think i'm rocky pajarito on there as well uh, i'm trying to write about awesome. this movie so maybe you'll see that but thanks hey, great mason uh, do you thanks. have uh, any mm-hmm. non-media rec for the folks out there uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I am very feel very fortunate that. Uh, oh, good news, folks! I my temp contract has been extended. I'm working from home for another four to six weeks. So I will say, if you are like me and in a position where you can, uh, you have a little bit of a disposable income, um, donating uh, to mutual aid funds, donating to uh, GoFundMe is, is a good way to kind of. Spread the wealth around, spread the love around, make sure that people are being looked out for and cared for during this time. Uh, Also, if you need money, I would very much... If you need money during this time, if that's a little precarious position for you, I understand everyone understands. uh, It's okay to ask for help if you gotta. Uh, I've been trying to uh, just... I've been trying to listen to my friends' needs, and if, if I can, give them a little bit of money, too, so... If you have money, I would recommend just being generous and being charitable and being just a uh, uh, helping to spread the wealth around. Because you never know, I might come back. You might be. In, I've definitely been in positions where I've needed cash, and people have spotted me. 
and uh, other than that, I will recommend the novel The Sweet Sickness by Patricia Highsmith. I sped Whoa. through that book. I love Patty Highsmith. It's a movie about a guy who cannot, uh, just simply cannot get over his ex-girlfriend and literally drives him crazy. So uh, if you like the sound of that, Patricia Highsmith is the way to go. Cool. Noah, what do you got for the folks this week? Um, if you can actually get to a grocery store... Uh, check out that Trader Joe's Frozen section. I can't believe I didn't do a deep dive on the Trader yeah. Joe's Frozen section for uh, yeah, baby. Until now, it's so it's good. Great. It's so good. It's pretty great. It's pretty you can great. Get mac and cheese, taquitos from my childhood, literally Ooh. the same ones. <laughs> yeah. Mini tacos, jasmine rice, like so much good shit. Frozen pizza, like so much good shit. Can't believe that I didn't do a deep dive on that earlier. If you're able to get to a grocery store, I would highly check that out. And as well as a book recommendation, I'm going to recommend 10th of December by George Saunders. It's a book of short stories um i do a really terrible job i'm the thing i always tell people that i'm gonna do and never do is like start reading again uh that's the thing i always end up telling people i'm gonna (laughs) do and then never do a good job of it but uh there is some really good short stories in 10th of december by george saunders and in a lot of ways it kind of does feel cinematic some of the stuff that he's writing about it really does feel uh like you're watching a weird thing happen so that's it rocky you got any uh media or non-media wrecks for the folks out there um, stay safe and wash your hands and, um, you know, just be considerate that a lot of people are having it harder than, uh, you might, even though things are kind of just like chill, um, uh, for you and you're just kind of quarantining. Um, I don't know, I could go on longer, but, uh, just be considerate and check on your friends and your family. Um, really, there we go. it's really important too. Um, and yes, play chef. the game. Yeah. And I, I mentioned this to the, in the group chat to you guys. Uh, I think I was just high and thinking about art that I like, but go ahead and play the game Jet Set Radio. I love yeah, it. Yeah, baby. It's so important to <laughs> yeah. me. It's so stupid. Not stupid. It's just so outlandish and bold and ridiculous for its time. And I don't know. I I'll just, try to, I love that it exists. I'll try to get to that in between sessions of uh, Garden Escape or uh, one of the other, one of the other games that I downloaded because I'm a sucker for ads and just click sure. click things at download. Yeah. But thanks uh, for that. You can shot. follow oh, uh, Hideki Naganuma, who is the composer yes. for that, on Twitter, <laughs> and he's got one of the most wild twitters I've ever seen. He literally oh, is obsessed with Peter Griffin, which is one of the craziest <laughs> coincidences of my whole life. Because so am I. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome um also play animal crossing and watch joe para talk to you it's one of the best tv shows ever made and that's it all right Great. let's go thanks for see you guys. everybody stay safe stay healthy we'll uh we'll see you all next week yep, see you guys so long stay safe i hope anything i said makes sense Huckabees is on a list of DVDs considered suitable for armed forces entertainment. That self-indulgent crap is not suitable for combat troops.